passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's Victory Monday, folks, and you know what that means. Welcome into a freshly picked episode of SB Nation's official Miami Dolphins podcast, The Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts, and I am joined by my co-host, Jake Mendel. Follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Lots to talk about after a 37-17 complete win over the Atlanta Falcons at home. But before we get into all of that, the world wants to know, how are you doing today, Jake? Josh, you said it best, a victory Monday. It has to be, what, six, seven months since we've had a feeling like this, which I don't necessarily mean the win because, of course, that doesn't mean too, too much. But as I was saying before the show, the Patriots played a few days before the Dolphins. I believe it was a game against the Eagles. And I was just watching them do no wrong. I mean, you had third and fourth string players, running back specifically, just kind of taking whatever they wanted, absolutely running over the Eagles. And I thought, man, you know, could you imagine just having your feet up, watching a complete game, just your team absolutely 
just kind of pack up the opponent and, and say we're the better team on any given day. And that's Josh kind of what the Dolphins did on Sunday. And it started with their that on Saturday, I'm already getting too warmed up for the regular season, but it started with uh, your boy there Tua, and that offense, man, it was incredible to watch. I actually just had a big smile on my face seeing how it seemed like that group, that first team offense just could not do anything wrong. Yeah. And I mean, this is again, an exciting victory Monday. It's kind of exactly what you want to see from this Dolphins team. We'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about all the things we like, but Jake, before we get started, we do have to mention this was a preseason game. Temper your expectations. Yeah. You mentioned that Eagles-Patriots game. I don't think the Eagles started a lot of their starters. Similar right. thing here with the Atlanta Falcons. So take everything that happened with a grain of salt. But again, you're right, man. They opened up a can of whoop-ass. And, I mean, let's jump right into Tua Tagovailoa, man. Yeah, and it's it's really started with them. And, you know, if you want to say it was against backups, if it was about whoever – it's not like we're, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl here. It's more of, you know, you'd rather see him do it against anybody instead of nobody. And Josh, the way I like to look at this performance and, and the way I like us to approach things on the website is I hate to be the echo chamber, right? I hate to be the one who kind of goes to the, the same old things everyone already said. But in terms of Tua, it really is just decision-making. It's what everyone's kind of seen from, he just looks so comfortable back there. And Josh, the best way I could describe this is if you're going on a road trip with your buddies, right? And you're driving, I don't know, maybe eight hours or something like that. And everyone's under the impression of we're all in the car, we're all good. But if the car breaks down, that's a huge problem everyone's going to have to deal with. What the Dolphins have now, if you're going on a road trip with Tua, you're going on the road trip with a mechanic. If things are going to break down, he's going to do everything in his power to make sure you're not calling AAA, to make sure you're not spending money on repairs. He can use the glue. He can use the paper clips, the bubble gum, whatever he needs to to make plays. And that was really apparent on the Miles Gaskin touchdown. Tua's one touchdown throw on the day where he kind of escaped pressure. He moved up and he knew he had to get the ball out of his hands and he did it just at the right time to get it to Gaskin for that second touchdown. And I believe it put the Dolphins up 14 to three at the time. And overall, Josh, it was a really clean performance. Generally speaking, the Dolphins uh, had nearly 200 yards more than the Falcons. Yeah. And again, this was exactly what you want to see from Tua Tagovailoa. We continue to say all offseason, you know, there was only so many things that he could do to better himself. And one of those was going out there and having a performance like this. You have written down here. He was eight for eight in the first quarter, 78 yards. He had that touchdown pass to Miles Gaskin, like you said, where, I mean, just the way he moved around the pocket was, you know, a thing of beauty. We saw that throughout the entire game. And it's just something that we saw at Alabama. And you just want to see Tua take grasp of this offense and become better acclimated to what he had find ways to get those guys the ball in space. And that's exactly what Tua did. The big play to Mike Kosicki was that one that, you know, really stood out. I think it was almost between like four defenders. It was just perfectly placed. But, you know, overall, what Tua Tonvaloa did, Jake, was just, you know, all we could have asked for. 16 to 23, 183 yards, 107.7 passer rating. Matt Collins led the team in receiving your boy. You know, you said, how many games is he going to start this year? Let's see, because Matt Collins was that playmaker that, you know, the Falcons were game planning for all week long. So, Again, great performance. Matt, Matt Collins, Josh, I, I got to interrupt you and say this, but Matt Collins, he looks like that wide receiver you make in Madden. I mean, he's a, he's a tight end out there. He just does not look like he belongs at all. He just has bigger shoulders than everyone else. And he's out there catching passes. Josh, I do want to ask you, what does Tua need to keep showing us in terms of grabbing a hold of this offense, in terms of continuing the progression, not in terms of his on the field vision, because we see that him, you know, completing eight passes in a row. Josh, I think the biggest thing that uh, 
the biggest reason we weren't super concerned after the first preseason game against the Bears was that Tua went on a long streak there. He completed, I think it was six or seven passes before the interception there in the end zone. And that's really what we wanted to see. So Josh, was there any more growth did you see here from Tua or was it more just consistency? Everything was happening more often where he was able to, you know, hit the opposing defense. It was jab, jab, jab. Okay. Over the middle, take a second, jab, jab, jab. All right. Who else is going to be wide open for us? That type of scenario where he wasn't making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, man, the way you made that sound is perfect. Jab, jab, jab. And I mean, you see people kind of being down on Tua and saying these were a lot of dink and dunk passes, you know, short passes. Is that not what Tom Brady did to us for the last 20 years? Like everyone's up in arms about this. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but you're right, Jake. It's just jab, jab, jab out of two out of this offense. And I think it's just more so of him feeling more comfortable this offseason, you know, getting a better chemistry with those receivers, understanding this offense better and just going out there and you see it. You see as a better understanding of it. The one thing that sticks out most, and we talked about a little bit in the last podcast, is his leadership. And I want to throw this out there yeah. because a big part of the Dolphins' success came with the offensive line, and a lot of that it sounded like they were crediting to this coaching staff and to a time of a low for getting that offensive line up there quick, having them identify what they're seeing and getting the ball off quickly. Miles Gaskin said, yeah, that was a point of emphasis this week. I think Tua Tungavailoa kind of drove it home for the rest of the offense. It's one thing to hear it from head coach Brian Flores. Obviously, you want to do what the coach says, but when the head guy, the quarterback in the huddle, is kind of leading the way, everybody wants to listen to him a lot. I think it looked good for us to just get on the ball fast, make sure to keep them on their toes, stuff like that, but I think we did a good job. So, um, you know, again, that's a little bit of a testament to Tua Tonvalo's leadership. We saw him very animated on the sideline. I don't even know what he was talking <laughs> about with his receivers, but uh, that was awesome to see, but I think it's a little bit of everything. Probably Ryan Fitzpatrick. Game's slowing down for him better offense you know and he just understands where he needs to go with the football but I think where you're going with that Jake is what do we need to see improvement from and I think um you know in the same sense he has to go out there and he has to visualize what he sees and let that ball rip because there are too many times it almost looks like you know he's hesitant to let the ball go or you know he's he's not trusting what he's he double checking his answers he's double checking his he sounds like <laughs> me making sure the bubbles filled all the way in yeah exactly <laughs> and that's and that's what we want to try to get rid of we want to see him you know let that thing rip against Adam Shaheen in Chicago and not have to to go through four or five days of what Tua should have done on this interception yeah, you're 100% right, Josh. And as we expand this conversation onto the offense as a whole, specifically, Josh, I mean, all of Miami's quarterbacks were uh, pretty impressive. And I can't think of the last time we were able to say something like that. Uh, but I think it's important to keep in mind the difference between a dink and dunk offense and a quarterback who's afraid to push it down the field. Uh, Tannehill had some issues with that if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of being unable to push it downfield. Chad Henney is the example I always go to where he's always going to check it down. He's too scared to make that mistake. What the Dolphins do, though, they're giving their guys the ball and an opportunity to make a play. I mean, how often was it Jalen Waddell or Jakeem Grant that had to beat one guy and it, they could kind of dance around for a couple of yards? I mean, Miles Gaskin on the outside there, I think it was like a third and seven or so uh, where he caught a ball. He should have actually been tackled right around the line of scrimmage, made a guy miss. He got the first down. So I think it's important to keep in mind the differences of scheming guys open, giving guys an opportunity to get the ball in space, make, letting them make a play with the ball compared to just, hey, we're dumping it to the running back. Like, hey, I'm definitely down to my outlet guy because I just don't want to push the ball. I'm afraid of making that mistake that could change the game. Yeah, and I mean, I think you could have even thrown to a ton of a low of last season, 2020, as a guy that was a little bit scared right, to push 100%. that ball downfield. So um, I think you're right. It's it's kind of what you expected when you drafted too. I mean, if you brought, brought him in here and th thinking he was going to go out there and use that arm to, to throw the ball around like Herbert, you were just mistaken. I mean, this is the offense that suits him, and he's going out there and he looked like a surgeon. Which but is a great sign in itself. The offense seems designed for him, which is a big thing we saw. 
100% because it was, you know, that was not the case last year. But you mentioned it, Jake. He could not have done this without having time in the pocket. And this offensive line looked night and day, to be completely honest. Again, I think a lot of it had to do with going against some of Atlanta's second guys. But, I mean, yep. they were they were tested this they were tested last week to, you know, go in there, do the work, put it in, and then go out there and, and execute on Saturday. And that's exactly what this offensive line did. Um, Austin Jackson looked a little bit improved. I know his pro football focus great might not um, – might not represent that too well, but um, what did you see the most out of this offense, Jake? You know, because, I mean, they were truly opening up big holes for Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed. I mean, it was it truly was a full effort from this offense. And like you said, they opened up that cannibal pass that we needed to see. I think it starts with not necessarily playing well with playing clean, Josh. I mean, the Dolphins, are, with the situation they're in with the offensive line, yes, we can say Austin Jackson started to play better despite his 47, 36, whatever, whatever grade you want to say for his pass blocking grade, whatever it is, it's not going to sound well. So just pick a low number, or pick a linebacker number. And we'll just say that's Austin Jackson's uh, pass pro grade. Um, but what I think the Dolphins are going to have to do to play successful, and it goes kind of back to that, you know, Patriot mentality of straight up playing clean games. There was not a lot of miscommunication errors, Josh. You hit the nail on the head with the quote about getting up to the line early, getting the offensive line in a situation where they could identify the blitzes, identify what the other defense is trying to do and another thing josh where i think that maybe if you wanted to make an argument and and smear like if laramie tunsil was going to be miami's left tackle for the next 10 years you could say yes he's great pass blocking yes he's great run blocking but penalties josh those penalties kind of can sometimes eviscerate everything he's trying to do in terms of hey you have three great blocks in a row that's fine but you just gave up a 10-yard penalty which is just as bad as a sack in some scenarios just two penalties last night Josh I think this is a team that's going to have to play very clean and I think the way the offensive line is built I think they're going to be able to do that and once you know you're playing clean I mean it once you're playing well that starts to be you know kind of gravy when you think about it it does. I mean, the biggest play to me that stood out was down at the in the red zone. I think someone uh, they Josh, converted at the one yard line. Well, it was a third and one, and Josh Stewart <laughs> told me to to bring it up, and it was Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hunt basically driving a dude downfield for seven yards. I saw Hunter Long seal off the edge, so it it was a total group effort. I want to read off some of the pro football grades that you have here. Again, take these with a grain of salt, as always. It says Michael Dieter played forty seven snaps. Which Jake, I mean, all, Michael Dieter, he looked like he belonged. I mean, let's. Be I'm honest. telling you, man, he needs a beer. That's he, all he needs. And, beer and we'll say he's the best center in the league. That's a beer. The beer in the ass towel. Austin Jackson, 47 <laughs> snaps. His PFF grade was 39.6. Again, that was slightly better than last week. Greg Little only played 12 snaps in the second half. Liam Eichenberg, 46 snaps, PFF pass blocking grade of 78. Again, I talked about him in the run game, but I mean, why the Dolphins traded up and, and gave up draft capital and move up there and get Liam Eichenberg? I mean, you could kind of see some of that in this game, albeit again preseason. Solomon Kinley, our boy, the big fish, 81.3 pass blocking grade on, on 47 snaps, and Robert Hunt. 47 snaps and didn't allow a single pressure. So um, again, I, I know a lot of this had to do with them getting up to the line, getting up there and snapping the ball, not allowing the defense to get set. Some of it had to do with going against that second string, but um, this is what you want to see. You wanted the offensive line to rise to the occasion and that's what they did. And it trickled over into the run game as well. Josh, you're hundred percent right when it comes to the run game. And it's so funny because we were talking about what we thought we'd see this season. And, and it always goes back to the fact that we see Miles Gaskin as someone who's going to never, you know, have those numbers that really blow your mind. But every game it's going to be, you know, 70 receiving yards, 60 rushing yards, a touchdown here or there. And that's really what this offense was early on in the game, Josh. He had 26 rushing yards and 31 receiving yards on the opening drive alone. He finished with six attempts for 27 yards on the ground, another four receptions for 44 yards and two touchdowns. 
Josh, I think we all kind of had the idea that Miles Gaskin was going to be the guy. It was great to see Salvan Ahmed really jump into his own in the previous week. This week, he played 15 snaps with three targets, two carries, finishing with 25 yards. Uh, but overall, Josh, I mean, it does seem like it's Miles Gaskin's job to lose. And then you have the Ahmeds, even the Malcolm Browns, who are going to be able to make plays in certain scenarios where they can thrive. But generally speaking, I mean, Miles Gaskin does seem like that, quote unquote, every down back that the Dolphins are going to use this season and just remember this comes one week after we talked up miles gaskin and then malcolm brown yeah, exactly. salvin Ahmed look like the guy so um i i hate to say temper expectations i hate to say they might use a three-headed monster in the backfield but who knows with brian flores team but man what we saw to miles gaskin i mean you could sit here and we could go back and forth if we like doc med these guys who our favorite back was but i mean miles gaskin truly looked like that rb1 jake you mentioned it he carried that team downfield in that opening drive he had that one-yard touchdown run. Later, he had that pass reception from Tua Tonga-Valoa. He just looked like a complete back, and that's what we wanted to see out of these running backs. We saw a little bit out of Salvin Ahmed last week. Malcolm Brown, I think, even scored down at the goal line. I mean, he looked more like a, uh, I don't know if this is a good thing, more like a young Jordan Howard or, or something <laughs> like that. But his big fault was in that. I don't know if you saw, Jake. It was hard to see with the, the TV broadcast, yep. but uh, Jalen Waddle was running wide open and Malcolm Brown whiffed on a block. I know it wasn't just his fault, but Tua, if he could have stood tall in that pocket and had a little bit more time, he was about to hit Jalen Waddle on a big touchdown pass. So, um, you know, sometimes it's whether or not these guys can pass protect that could make them fit on the roster. But I think a guy like Malcolm Brown can probably feel pretty safe being on Miami's 53 man at the start of the season. But um, I think I see him as nothing more than a third down running back. And hopefully that guy that can get that short yardage that we hope Jordan Howard could do last season. I could even see him start to be scripted into games where maybe the Dolphins are dealing with some injuries. They want to run the ball a little bit more. They're at home. It's hot, that type of situation. But yeah, Josh, overall, um, and I'm not going to, that one play really sticks out just because of, you know, how open he was, but it, it's all about situational football. And I think those are going to happen. Those are, those plays are going to have to happen just the way the Dolphins play, the way they're built once in a while, have those uh, types of breakdowns. Josh, let's wrap up the offensive talk here with, with two more quick things. The Miami Dolphins quarterbacks combined for 26 uh, completions on 33 attempts, 286 yards and three touchdowns and four Delrick Abrams, a second-year cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons out of Colorado. He's listed third team on the Atlanta depth chart, and he was victimized twice by the Dolphins. Uh, Robert Foster, uh, he caught a touchdown on Abrams, and I believe it was before halftime still. And then Kirk Merritt, Josh, your boy, he caught a fade touchdown also going against Abrams. So, Josh, it wasn't just the running backs. We had some receivers stepping up too, especially uh, guys who are really competing for depth uh, spots on the roster chart. Things you love to see if your last name isn't Abrams, right? <laughs> um, yeah, right. I, I have to give credit. There are a lot of people out there that love Kirk Merritt more than me, but I do think that we threw that out there. He was going to be that player, and he had that huge two-yard two reception on the fade. I think huge. I was bragging in your DMs, and then he had a pretty big game. But, um, you know, shame on us for not at least mentioning Jalen Waddle because on that opening drive, you know, three yeah, catches, yeah, 21 yards. Sure. I mean, um, it, it was I, – I mean, we all felt gutted. I mean, that was one of the sickest feelings I felt in my stomach as a Dolphins fan when he took that low hit. But to see him come back, I mean, that just is a testament to his toughness. But uh, It's how crazy, often, Josh. In a situation like that, you know, preseason, you expect them just to be done. Even when they come back on the field, you know, in the preseason, you're like, all right, game over. Like, you tested your luck. That's it. Yeah, and it's crazy to me because I've had – 
uh, friends, you know, big in fantasy football that actually questioned how tough he was and whether or not he'd be able to, to battle some of these injuries. So to see him go out there and to, to fight through something that truly looked like it may have ended his season, but most importantly, to see the way the Dolphins truly utilized him. I mean, he looked like yeah. a Tyree kill. I mean, I hate to say it, but he looked like a focal point of that offense. And when the Dolphins drafted him, I was so concerned with whether or not they could make him truly be that playmaker that he was in college. Josh, and I think, you know, you don't, like, it's not that you're just straight up saying, like, he's Tyreek Hill, like, this echo chamber. Like, we've had Mike Kosicki his rookie year. I mean, you go back to Mike Wallace, there have been so many times where the Dolphins have had these guys who are so great at one focus or another, and then the Dolphins just don't use them well. And, and it's so exciting to see Waddle used, yes, in that Tyreek Hill role where he's going to be over the field, he's going to be finding open space. And I was in your DMs uh, too, Josh. It was actually going back and forth a little bit. And, you know, that Waddle thing, I, it scared the crap out of me but you have to wonder maybe you know his first time getting a lower body injury after what he dealt with last year you wonder maybe if the worst just started to go through his head right away too uh but i mean worst case best case that looked like a mean charlie horse it did and you're right i mean we can't even imagine what type of mental pain he's still going through trying to overcome some of those things before we hop into a break and and move on jake i do want to throw out this quote from Tua on jalen waddle he said i think he showed everyone who he is as a player kind of the things he's done at alabama you give him the ball in space and let him work i think that goes for all our guys you give them the ball in space and let the playmakers make plays for you so you know again that goes back to the dinking and dunking this is the way this offense is built yep. that is why the dolphins have all this speed and i said that we were going to jump into a break jake but i got to ask you is it time to pay mike Kosicki? because i mean this guy <laughs> is truly starting to look like that game-changing tight end and I think you know just the last podcast we might have hinted at a little bit but damn dude I mean every day that price tag is truly going up he is the pretty boy of the Miami Dolphins offense he's going to be the poster child I mean I and I don't want that to be taken in a negative light whatsoever because football is such a hard physical game but he's going to be the guy who's going to flash and do like two to three sports center top 10 plays a week and we've seen it twice now in two weeks Josh where he makes a big play over the middle he's going to be such a great target from the 20 to the 20 yard line but then there are going to be people on the other side who's going to complain that he doesn't score touchdowns or things like that just because you're going to have Shaheen's or Durham Smites wide open but man every week you're going to see something special out of him and it's exciting it's definitely exciting Jake let's jump into a break and when we come back on the other side let's talk about Sam the Eggman Aguavin and that Miami Dolphins defense Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Josh, you called him the Eggman, and Eggman is spelled with four Gs. That's because Sam McGuavin against the Falcons. Four sacks, Josh, 11 tackles, and a safety. In order to have a good old-fashioned ass whooping, you need guys to have stellar performances. And McGuavin was that linebacker to really step up and have a huge day for the Dolphins on Saturday. Yeah, man. Sam McGuavin had a monster day. He even said, last time I had four sacks, 
was in my dream last night is what he joked after the game. <laughs> he missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday was activated to the roster on Friday and then played 38 snaps on Saturday. Um, you know, Brian Flores kind of joked. He, I guess he was out with COVID said that he was the reason he had such a good, big week and a big game was because he was fresh legs. But I mean, Jake, he was <laughs> everywhere. I mean, on those stunts, he was, he was in the quarterback's face in Frank's face the entire game. And he was just making plays whether it was in the run game. He, I mean, he was all over the field, Jake. So um, it's funny because we sat there and talked about Landon Roberts on the previous podcast we talked about you know what we were going to see out of him now that he was activated but Sam McGuavin man I mean this was a guy that maybe was going a little bit under the radar maybe some fans kind of forgot that he was still around I saw some people retweeting some of my tweets from the 2019 preseason where I compared him to Cam Wake and at first I thought I was calling him a similar player then I remembered that he was from the CFL Jake so again this is yeah. like this is like the little toaster that could or the little engine that could that you know the just, little to- what did the toaster <laughs> do Josh what did uh, he do uh, he wanted to be a big toaster and uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know. But couldn't he, toast bagels, Josh. He couldn't toast them. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. This is a real good feel-good story. It's the underdog. It's one of those airbud situations. And to see Sam McGuavin go out there and play again like his hair was on fire was a sight to see and give that man the MVP of preseason week two. Yeah, I think it was C.K. Parrott mentioned on Twitter. Someone did. I'm sorry. I, I can't remember who mentioned how the Dolphins were using him as a pass rusher late in 2019. You remember they had Taco Charlton. They were trying to find anybody who would get to the quarterback. And I thought Aguava did a pretty good job, mostly because I remember how often he did his like motorcycle sack dance. I know I sound old not being able to describe what it really was. Uh, but to see him back in that role, Josh, I mean, the Dolphins do need a pass rusher, and Aguava could certainly fill that role. There's a there's roster spots for it. That linebacker battle is really close to that receiver battle in terms of talent and competition. Speaking of Josh, we saw our boy Jalen Phillips, future hall of famer. He played in 27 snaps in his debut in the NFL. Um, I saw him get into the backfield once. I think Agba rushed a throw on the play. Um, he was solid against the run, but there was really none of those wow, exciting moments to really write home and, and talk about. He was consistent, solid and healthy in reality. I guess that's really all you want in these preseason games. Yeah, it really is all you want. And I hate to shameless plug here, but on my YouTube, I do have every rep, or at least so I think. I used a TV broadcast, so it was kind of hard to get some of them. Had to um, crop out Tom Garfinkel's big face for some of them. But I (laughs) should have every rep from Jalen Phillips' debut, 27 snaps, like you said, two total tackles. He was in the backfield a few times. I mean, the speed was there. You saw him setting the edge well. But like you said, Jake, I mean, for a guy who's been hampered by injury, you know, kind of coming along slow, first action in preseason. I mean, it's, it's kind of what you expected, but um, you know, as cliche as it might sound, he does look a little bit different than what we've come to see over the years. And he does have that little bit of a different mold to him than what we've seen in the past. You have written down here, Jake, Agba rushed well. You saw him flashing. The thing I found most interesting was when the Dolphins were using a 3-4, they had AVG and Jalen Phillips coming off on the side. And then when they switched to a 4-3, it looked like it was Steeler Wilkins, Butler, and Agba. Obviously, Raekwon Davis rotates in there at times, but um, it's just awesome to see the versatility there. And to me, it was just fascinating to see a guy who is most known for his pass rushing abilities was not on the field on third downs, was not on the field for some of those key situations. And it makes you wonder if maybe Brian Flores and this staff wants him to get better at some of those other things that he doesn't do quite as well before giving him a more expanded role. But um, again, what you kind of expected from a rookie, but that Dolphins defensive line looked pretty well. Yeah, Josh, I guess the only issue, and again, this could be more of an argument of uh, uh, second teamers and third teamers in, but uh, the the Dolphins allowed 187 uh, rushing yards to the Falcons. Rushing gain still continues to be a little bit of an issue for the team. Again, 
come week one, all that can change. But when you're facing Cam Newton and an offense that's poised to run the ball, that's something you definitely want to keep on your radar. Uh, AJ McCarron for the Falcons. He started, obviously, no Matt Ryan, uh, no Kelvin Ridley. The Falcons were without some of their big pieces. But, hey, you'd rather have your guys still step up and perform against whoever is on the football field. Uh, Xavier Howard wasn't targeted. That That's basically why you pay him. Uh, pretty much sums it up. And Byron Jones, the guy they did want to go after, he looked strong on that other end, kind of putting the rest of rumors after we saw a couple of videos of tweets of uh, Byron Jones getting quote unquote roasted all week and, and things like that. It, it's great to see that, you know, even if you do get caught up in the 24 hour news cycle, you do realize that, hey, uh, the house isn't completely on fire just yet. Yeah, and you, you got to remember, just because you see one rep of a guy getting beat doesn't mean, you know, it was all bad news, yeah. all the tape's bad. And I think that's what a lot of us forget when you see these highlights. Before we go further, I do got to give a shout-out. You have written down here, Xavier Howard was the 17th ranked on the NFL Top 100. So shout-out to uh, Xavier Howard. I don't know. That might be the highest a Dolphins player has ever been. I'm not sure. Sure, Tunsil's up there somewhere. But, um, Jake, the secondary, man. I mean, Cravion LeBlanc, the, the corner from the Philadelphia Eagles that the Dolphins signed this offseason, he had a forced fumble at one point. But to me, it was Nick Needham, man. Again, Nick yeah, Needham. I agree. Everyone keeps calling him Superstar. I don't know if that's his nickname, but I'm ready to call him uh, Superstar for the rest of his existence. Oh, on that the movie Dolphins. was so bad. We can't do that. We got we got to do Nick Needham better than that. Okay, is that is that why they're calling him that? I I, really I, I don't know. I okay. don't know. I just that, that's probably why. That's, that's probably. But I mean, do that that pass break up on what was it? Second and goal at the three. Nick Needham yep. with an awesome pass break, and then on fourth down, it came back and Byron Jones had a pass break up on. I believe it was Hayden Hurst. So um, I saw the secondary doing what we expected. You know, there there's. So much depth there. You mentioned Xavier Howard being out. Some of these other guys being out. Javon Holland didn't play either, but uh, they still went out there and they look like a dominant unit. And I guess that's kind of what we come to expect from a Brian Flores coach team. There are 13 players kept out, Josh, and it's important to keep this stuff in mind as the Dolphins have to make five more cuts by Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. Um, 13 players kept out were Albert Wilson, Will Fuller, Lynn Bowden, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, Javarius Davis, Vince Beagle, Landon Roberts, Adam Pankey, and Seathan Carter. Uh, so, Josh, the best way to wrap up the show, I think, is to what to expect moving forward. We still have a couple more weeks before the regular season begins. We still have one more preseason game. And we're on to Cincinnati, week three of the preseason. And Brian Flores came out and said that guys who are on the bubble or close to being on the bubble, those are the guys who are going to play uh, next week, Josh. So that makes it sound to me maybe it's been as simple as the Dolphins have bubble-wrapped Albert Wilson, Will Fuller, uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. We heard he recently just got activated. Maybe a couple of these bigger guys. I'm not going to say everyone because, you know, you'd expect Isaiah Ford to be out there. You'd expect Lynn Bowden. We've heard about their injuries. Uh, but in terms of their top guys, I'm starting to think maybe once the preseason ends and you have those two weeks before the regular season, we might just see that these guys are practicing in full and they were bubble-wrapped and here we go to start the season. Or it could be all doom and gloom and these guys are actually injured. I don't know. But that's kind of the vibe I get, uh, seeing how there was no question that these guys were going to be out the last two games. I don't see them playing in the third. Yeah, and I think you're, the word you use there best is bubble. I think they should bubble wrap these stars. Tua should be bubble wrap. You know, that offensive line should be bubble wrap. And some of these other guys. Albert Wilson's a guy who stands out to me. There's a player who, you know, had a huge – summer everyone was raving about him I think Omar Kelly said he's not worried about the injury there so it makes you wonder if they're not just you know yeah. taking extra precaution with a Wilson a Fuller Lynn Bowden I do think that's a little bit more severe he almost sounds like he could end up on you know IR to start the season which could open up a roster spot Preston Williams I would have liked to see him out there but Javon Holland and Brandon J 
But Javon Holland, Jake, that was the player that I really would have liked to see get out there because, yeah, yeah, as we too. mentioned, you know, he was at him and both Jalen's. We want to see more out of him. We saw it from Waddle. It would have been nice to see Javon Holland get a pick there on uh, Franks or whoever was there starting at the beginning of the game. So, um, Jake, I hope that it's just them taking precaution because, as we've seen throughout this training camp, if injuries start to pile up, that is going to be the Dolphins' Achilles heel. And, you know, how, how no shit is that to say? <laughs> Josh, that is why we make sure you get paid the big bucks. For more of Josh's awesome, fantastic, top-tier, second-to-none analysis, be sure to follow him at Twitter, at H-O-U-T-Z. That is Houts. I can be found at Twitter, on Twitter, and at Twitter, at jmendel94. Josh, I think we're going to do two more shows this week as the Dolphins prepare to wrap up the preseason. If you would like to keep on this ride with us, hit that subscribe button. We've actually been getting quite a few reviews lately. So wherever you're listening to your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, hitting that follow button, hit that subscribe button. It does help others find the show. And if you have a couple minutes, leave a review. That stuff helps us out quite a bit too. Adds an extra pep to our step. Josh, I mean, this is about as good of a show we can do. There were not a lot of issues. There were not a lot of injuries. The Dolphins seem to be in a really good spot right now. Hopefully they continue to get healthy, but in, in all in all, Josh, preseason week two has to be deemed a success. It does. I mean, I think we kind of followed it up with a pretty damn good podcast equivalent to the way the Dolphins <laughs> played. So hopefully you guys liked what you were listening to. Like Jake said, the best way to stay up to date is to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. If there's ever anything you would like us to change, any comments you have, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Again, I'm at Houts. That is at jmendel94. For Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh show, I am Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you later this week. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.